Deep in the night, your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed, you'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Hello and welcome to another edition of Freaky Friday Where we tell your odd but true stories It is, can you believe it, Friday, March 1st and we're recording this, though, on leap the 29th. Day. It's Leap Day. Happy Leap Day. Happy Leap you, Day. Heather, and to yes. everyone. I tried to explain to Ella what Leap Day is, and then it just ended with me going, and time isn't real, and it's all made up. So <laughs> You're like, essentially, she's like, do you mean the calendar was just made up? And you're like, yeah, kid, it was made up. It's all fake. It's all And changed fake. a couple times. And yeah. then they were like, fuck, we got to add an extra day to a month to make this all work somehow <laughs> to shift the math around and then some i think it was a youtube video i was watching last night was like it's not even exactly just right because it's not it's like 364.247878 mm-hmm. or something like that i was like man so anyway well i hope everyone had a great extra day of the year which you were owed at, at the end of it like we were all owed this day if you were born on this day yes. happy Whatever age you declare yourself. (laughs) Yes, happy. uh, And then I saw some people were celebrating wedding anniversaries and stuff. So I love that idea of like choosing Leap Day as a day to celebrate things because it is so special and comes around only every four years. Ooh, if you get married on Leap Day, then I guess you do the thing where you just do you do it on the 28th or the 1st because really, but every four years... You have a banger of a celebration. Yeah. yeah, you have to have a blowout at least every four years on That's the actual worthy. day. Yes, on the actual day. Well, I'm sorry if I sound rough. I'm trying to sound good. I have COVID and the flu at the same time, but we record separately, so it's okay. Yes, you uh, you don't sound as bad as I thought good. you would, but I hope that you're feeling much better now Thank that you. you've gotten some meds. Yes, I say I got the Tamiflu and I've been taking every vitamin I got in the house and I've been resting a lot and drinking tea and stuff but the uh somebody on tiktok was like so many people like x percent of the population has either covid flu or rsv right now and i didn't feel well and i thought before i go around infecting a bunch of people i'm just gonna go to a minute clinic and turns out i got the double whammy as they say and not in a fun way so no here I am. it's not the uh the finger cuffs that yeah the <laughs> The double whammy it's no, but referring she, to. She got up in my hole when she was swabbing me. She used a gentle touch, but one of them, it was tickling me, and I was going, and she was like, mm. so oh, they just I'm make sorry. me gag. Even just, I had that's to, what Paris I've, said. In the past, like, two weeks, I've done two at-home COVID tests, and both times I'm just like, oh, God. Yeah, I didn't realize that for some people it's like, like, get your gag. Oh, it doesn't make you do that? No, it made me giggle, but Paris goes, I I gag every time. Oh, yeah. I mean, since I was a kid, it's like, once you cross a certain threshold, I'm going (laughs) to gag. It's done so. That's going on a t-shirt, too. Uh, but I did have to, t- I told you guys, oh, I'm just getting pen- my nostrils penetrated. And Tommy's like, at the doctor, would have been fine. You didn't have to go that far. No, Tommy doesn't like uh, descriptions <laughs> of visceral things, um, as I don't either. But Now you all um, get to think about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I prefer to just let my mind um, 
figure it out. I, I can't watch videos about that stuff. I don't like really hearing about that stuff. Crazy. It's, uh, I'm just not into that. Some people like the, somebody posted on our Facebook Patreon group the mm-hmm. other day, a video, which I will never watch. But if you are into really fucked up, creepy, gross stuff, then yeah. it's for you. I got to go catch up. I'm behind y'all, but that'll, uh, that'll be what I do when we finish recording here is get all caught up. But before that, we have got a lineup of six tales that uh, you all did not disappoint when we asked for some catacomb stories. Mm-hmm. And then we also have some uh, some brushes with true crime that I think people will relate to for sure. So thanks for pulling these together. Absolutely. We got some good pictures sent in with these yeah. two. So thank you so much for that. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This first one is from B, and it is called, He Called His Ex-Girlfriend Crazy. Hi, Heather and Christy. I was inspired to tell this story after hearing your remarks on men who call their exes crazy. I think it was the Peggy Clinky episode. I'll also say that you've talked about my husband and me before within a Judge Christie episode, the one where we battle over rights to choose and listen to music in the car. Update on that, it's finally gotten better. Anyways, on to the story. Within the first few weeks of seeing my then-boyfriend in September of 2020, our conversation turned to previous relationships. He looked at me, hesitating slightly, as he told me that the last woman he dated seriously before me was, quote, crazy. I gave him the side eye, but he quickly explained. For the sake of storytelling, when need be, I'll call my husband, Kay. She had been at his apartment in March of 2020, when the lockdown was declared, after dating for a few months. Instead of going home, she unilaterally decided to stay there with him. At first, Kay was okay with that, but then it became clear she expected him to do everything. At that point, he was working a full-time job on top of finishing his senior year of college. He had to get groceries, cook dinner, and keep his apartment tidy. She was home all day, doing nothing, but since it was Kay's apartment, she didn't have an obligation to take care of it. It was extremely draining on Kay. When he finally broke up with her, she still didn't want to leave. She asked him to drive her six hours to a friend's house instead of home. Understandably, he refused, and she found someone to pick her up. In the time before that person got to his apartment, she refused to get her belongings together, so he had to do it for her, leaving her no reason to need to come back. When the someone arrived to pick her up, turns out it was an ex-boyfriend of hers, Someone she told Kay was no one to worry about. Turns out, she'd been texting him in a non-platonic way for a while. After that explanation, I agreed that, sure, maybe his ex wasn't the greatest. I didn't like his calling her crazy, but I figured he didn't have a better way to explain it. The longer I dated Kay, though, the more I realized there was more to his ex than just that. We visited my best friend in Pittsburgh in January of 2023. While my friend and I gushed about true crime and watched Shit's Creek, my now then fiance listened to us chatter. At one point, we were talking about abuse, about how some survivors of physical and emotional abuse weren't always aware that they were being victimized. That night, when we went to bed, Kay asked me if pinching could be abuse. I asked him to explain a little more, and he said that his ex would pinch him hard if he said or did something she didn't like. He also finally told me the reason he didn't like holding hands with me all that much 
she would dig her nails into his hand if, again, she wasn't satisfied with what he said or did. There was so much more emotional abuse involved, too. What he could do with free time, who he could or couldn't hang out with, what time he had to be home, and when he could leave. I never want to call another woman crazy, but I can't rationalize how someone could have treated my husband so badly. He's funny and sweet, very passionate and silly. I'm sorry every day he experienced such poor treatment. I wanted to share this to remind everyone that men experience abuse too, and not all abuse leaves graphic and lasting physical marks. Thank you both for reading this. Give Petal my love. Best B. Oh, well, poor Kay. That is, you know, you don't even realize it until Mm -hmm. you're out of it and hear someone talking about it. And I think especially for men, it's something that doesn't get reported or talked about a lot because you don't want to seem weak because of the stigma around it. Or, you know, you're like, well, she's just like digging her nails in me. It's not like she's hitting me and stuff. But all those things are still abusive. Yeah. I mean, any type of... um, physical pain somebody inflicts on you because they don't like what you're doing is abuse. Yeah. Harm is harm. And I think that's toxic masculinity going like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, she just pinched you, bro. Like, get over it. But Mm -hmm. that's serious. And you never know if someone's going to escalate more and more. And if he hadn't gotten out of there, what we have seen some cases that partners are capable of, of harming their husbands, whether through poison or whatever, you know, because they they hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt because they can get away with it. So I'm glad that B, you and your friend were speaking openly about it. I think that's why it's important for all of us to speak openly about it. So other people can say, oh, well, I've never talked about that. And I didn't even know it was something I could label because when you label it, then that's how you can go about conquering it in your own mind. I'm really glad, too, that he obviously felt comfortable enough with you to talk to you about that and ask Mm -hmm. you about it, because that can be a hard thing for people, hard topic to broach, but you're obviously a very safe place for him to come to. So so glad you two are together and that the ex is out of the picture, because she does sound like she is uh, abusive. I hope she got the help she needed as well. Yeah, and stop doing stuff like that. And if your your only uh, issue is who's driving and who gets to pick the music, and you talk about it and it gets better, sounds like a, a good, much, much better relationship and situation to be in. Sinisterhood will be right back. We're fixing to go on tour. You, so much packing. We got to do so, so much. much packing. And you know what we don't like to do? Check Mm-mm. our luggage. I'm not trying to check nothing. We no. we have really gotten good about mm-hmm. not having to check anything. It's we don't want to. We're not trying to wait. We want to get off the plane and go straight to the car and get to where we're going. And with this base bag that I've got, it's so big yet TSA standards still fits in the overhead compartment that I can pack like three to four days worth of clothes in there and toiletries. And it has the whole zip around bottom thing that's separate. So I can keep my shoes separate, my dirty old shoes. Mm -hmm. I don't have to check anything. I'm set. No, when you look in that bag, you're like, how could it possibly fit anymore? And it does Mm -hmm. because we've all been there trying to fit everything you think you might need for a trip in one suitcase and it's bursting at the seams. But with base, like we said, there is room for everything. You want to take 15 pairs of underwear for a weekend trip like I do? No problem. And if you don't want to decide between what dirty shoes you want to take, who cares? Bring them all with base. 
basis out of everything you could ever want in a piece of luggage. They've got their bags. They've got hard shell luggage. There's 360 degree gliding wheels, a cushion handle, built in weight indicator, washable bags for your dirty clothes. I love that. I don't want to have to put all the clothes I've worn back in my suitcase with my other ones. Mm-mm. Compression flaps and straps with pockets galore, plus a lined interior that is durable and easy to spot clean. And all of this TSA approved and a combination lock. Well, and with every piece, it's made to look better with miles. So you don't have to worry about it being in the cargo if you do want to check it or when you put it in the overhead. Plus, Base has over 30,000 five-star reviews. Whether you're packing for a quick trip or looking to breeze through the security line, Base has your personal items covered. Right now, Base is offering our listeners 15% off your first purchase by visiting basetravel.com slash creepy. Go to basetravel.com slash creepy for 15% off your first purchase. That's B-E-I-S travel.com slash creepy. Well, this next one was from Deb, and it is called The Psycho from My Past. And a content warning, this one also discusses domestic violence as well as termination of pregnancy and brief mentions of suicidal ideation. Hello, Sinisterhood team and entourage. Longtime listener here. You are definitely one of my favorite podcasts and one I always recommend. I'm hoping to make it to a live show one of these days. I've never really considered my story to be Freaky Friday worthy until listening to some of this month's stalker submissions. A little backstory for context. I grew up in a very rural part of northern Michigan, and although my childhood was not a happy one, with a significant amount of emotional and verbal abuse from my stepfather, I was a bit naive about the safety of the world. So by the time I reached my later teens, I was doing anything I could to escape the home I grew up in. I became pregnant at 16 and had my oldest daughter when I was 17. I lived with her father, who was significantly older than I was, but we did end up getting married and lived a somewhat normal life until I realized how controlling and possessive he was and that I did not want that kind of life for myself. So we separated and divorced in 2004. Since I had been mostly a stay-at-home mom to my daughter, I had no work experience. My only choice was to go back home. Well, that lasted only a few weeks before I found myself couch surfing at friends' houses. I got a part-time job at the local ice cream shop and ended up renting a little cabin that was available at the local motel. There were four or five of these little cabins and a couple others who were also occupied by more long-term renters. This is where I met him. He was not from around here and was so mysterious and seemingly cool in a bad boy kind of way. Side note. Looking back on this now, I cannot help but see all the red flags and wonder what the hell I had been thinking. The only conclusion I could come up with was that I was rebelling against everything I knew to be true about my life. I wanted to experience more and be more, even if that meant putting myself in what was obviously a very dangerous situation. I've done a lot of work around not needing to have an explanation and forgiving myself for the choices I made during this hellish year and a half of my life. Back to the story. Him and I started hanging out, staying up late and listening to music in his car. He had a banging system, playing catch in the backyard, smoking the devil's lettuce, and so on. We became closer, as people do, and that's when he told me that he was not all that he seemed, that his family was part of an organized crime network, and that he wanted me to work for him. 
but to also be his girl. He told me that I would always be safe so long as I was with him, and that we could have this elaborate life of who knows what together. This sounds so crazy as I'm typing, and I can't help but be embarrassed. Anywho, I took the bait and became unwaveringly loyal to him. Funny thing is that throughout this year and a half, he never had any money. And whenever I would ask him about it, he would say that he was cut off for one reason or another. And I always believed him and stayed. We were unhoused for much of the time, sleeping in his car aside from the few times my family or friends let us stay with them. During this time, we would find jobs at the random pizza place or restaurant, and he always convinced me that it would be easier if we worked at the same places for transportation's sake. And surprise, he was also very abusive and manipulative. He lied to me about his age and real name. He told me I would never be able to leave him, and if I tried, he would find me and kill me or my family, my daughter and her father and stepmother, or friends. He might set the house on fire with everyone inside, or just sit and snipe people one by one, and that it might not be today or tomorrow, but he would be back to have his vengeance. He would follow me places and accuse me of things that were not true. He would threaten me with guns, and he would choke me. This man was six foot ten, and one time he held me off the ground in a headlock. And y'all, let me tell you, I will never forget the level of completely unhinged psycho joy that was in this man's eyes when he went into one of his rages. They would turn completely black. However, he never hit me, and for whatever reason, that was enough for me to excuse the other things. I felt so alone as he had alienated me from my friends and family, stealing things from the ones that were nice enough to let us stay with them during this time. Once I had figured out what a dangerous situation I was in, I was too scared to leave. I'd even contemplated suicide. Then one day, we were renting a room by the week at a local motel, and something set him off. He finally swung on me. He connected a couple times, but there was a mirror so I could see them coming and managed to evade a few and ducked into the bathroom and locked the door. I'm not sure how long it was in there, but the entire time he was there, whispering threats through the door. You better come out or I'm going to kill you. You have nowhere to go. I've already scoped this place out and there's no one staying near us. I could kill you and no one would even hear. They won't find you for days. This was before cell phones went everywhere with us, so I had no choice but to come out. I finally resigned. He pinned me to the bed by my throat, made some more threats, but finally let me go. We were both working at the same place at the time, and both of us had the next day off work, but I was the only one scheduled to work the day after. This was the longest day of my life, having to sit in that room with him and pretend that everything was fine. But it was not. I knew then that if I did not get out of this situation, he would kill me. He dropped me off at work the following day, and I went straight to my supervisor and told him what had happened. And I'm not entirely sure why, but I decided to still work my shift. Afterward, called my cousin to come pick me up. When I got to my cousin's, we called the police. I filed a report. They took photos of my bruises, and they went and picked him up. He ended up with time served ordered to take some anger management classes, and I think probation. I have not seen this fucker since the day he dropped me off at work. 
although I have had a few scares that in my mind could have been him. The most heartbreaking part of this story, about three weeks after all this happened, I found out I was pregnant. After some prompting from my cousin and aunt to consider it, I decided to have an abortion. I was completely numb throughout the whole process, as I never would have thought I'd be in a situation to even have to consider aborting a child. However, I do not regret my decision to do so. I still carry some trauma from this experience, because how could I not? But I have a great life now as a single mom and homeowner. I love myself, my children, and my home, and know that without my past experiences, I would not be where I am now. So for anyone out there listening that is in a similar situation, or just getting out of one, know that it is possible to get out, to heal, to forgive, to love, and to be happy. Thank you ladies so much for providing an outlet for people to share their stories and for reading mine, whether or not you share on the pod. Sending love always, Deb. Well, thank you, Deb, for sharing that story. You just don't realize, you know, when you could be working alongside Deb and not know that she has gone through something like incredibly harrowing like this, that that's life-changing, that we imagine, you know, being run into your into a bathroom with no escape, no phone to call for help, being credibly threatened for your life. I mean, having a partner that chokes you, the statistics are all over the place, you know, as far as it, it can escalate to homicide. And so what a strong person you are for getting out and then also being able to share your story and, and hopefully be a beacon for other people in case they are in a, a similar situation. Absolutely. And as far as your side note of looking back now and... Mm-hmm not realizing all the red flags when you're in it, it's hard. It's, yeah. it's easier in hindsight. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, and it's easier for others that aren't in the situation to also say like, this isn't right, which is why we say, listen to your family and friends. You know, if most likely they have your best interest at heart and if they're telling you this isn't right, then get out. It sounds like, unfortunately you didn't have that support system, at least with your uh, immediate family, but I'm glad your cousin was there. But don't judge yourself for Mm-mm. not knowing what you did then. I mean, the the important thing is you got out, you have a life now that you're happy with, and you're an inspiration to your own kids now. Yeah, most definitely. And that, that I highlighted that part while you were talking because I was like, man, I can relate to that of going, man, there were so many red flags, but that's just the benefit of hindsight. And so you now have a totally different perspective than you then. And so on giving that self-compassion of, uh, you know, I couldn't have known that it would have gotten that bad, that everything was made up. You know, it, it all seems credible. Like Risa Tisa on TikTok recently of like, this oh, guy seemed great. my God. Yeah. The world is captivated by Risa <laughs> Tisa. If she doesn't get her own Netflix series. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Listen, 52 parts of this. Who yes. the fuck did I marry? If you don't know what we're talking about, just go look it up on TikTok and then clear your schedule because yeah. you're going to need to binge 52 <laughs> TikToks that explain what a gaslighting yeah. situ- marriage she was in. Oh, I mean, yeah. So- when you're in it, you just, you know, we have our blinders on. We don't want to think mm-hmm. anything like Mm-mm. that would happen. And to say that it sounds so crazy and you're embarrassed typing this, I get that. I recently mm-hmm. oh, uh, girl. read out loud to Heather <laughs> several diaries that I found from my teenage years. And it's one of my best I memories of us now. Burned with shame and embarrassment. But also looking back on those things, and a lot of it, I mean, 
uh, none of it was happy. It's <laughs> all pretty fucked up. But, you know, at the time, that's what you're going through. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, we're older now. We're wiser. We've been through more. So, yes, looking back on that, there's there's some word for it when you look back on things and you still feel the embarrassment of how it felt then. But I can't think of it. I'm also foggy headed right now. Everybody's sick. 40% of the world is sick. <laughs> that's what that TikTok said. And then the doctor's like, most stuff on TikTok's garbage, but that's actually pretty close. Most stuff <laughs> between that statistic and Risa Tisa, that's the good stuff that came off TikTok mm-hmm. recently. But no, you're right. And especially I'm very heartened to see us all as a society develop, not just with like technology, but younger people are getting smarter sooner. Like my parents, I remember when I was, you know, 10, 12, 15, 16, my dad would just be like, oh my God, you're just like, a, you're so much smarter than I was when I was a kid. And I look at Ella or my nieces and I'm like, these kids are geniuses. And so I'm glad to see that like we're getting smarter sooner. And so where we look back and go, God, when I was 16, I can't believe I fell for that. I saw some kid today and some cops were trying to hassle him about he was on a bicycle and they were like, you have to have a driver's license. He's like, no, I don't. I looked up the the, the statute and I have to have a permit because it's under 50 cc's because I'm 15 years old. Like kids nowadays have resources and access to like information that I- seats. <laughs> And they want receipts. And so if someone was like, you know, hey, my family's in like a crime family, be like, oh, okay, cool. And then go and try to look them up. And their friends would be like, let's look them up. Let's like, give me a license plate. We'll find them on the internet. So I do love that, that we can tell our stories of like, man, back when I was your age, you know, I went through this or I suffered through this or I fell for this and I can't believe I fell for it. But those that are younger hear our stories and now go, I'm going to question that if I hear something similar. I hope so. That's why we say there's so much power in sharing these stories is somebody else will relate to this. Maybe somebody's going through it Mm -hmm. or somebody finds themselves in something that sounds familiar and knows sooner now, like, oh, I remember that. This isn't going to end well. I'm going to get out before it's too late. Absolutely. You're very brave and um, it's very admirable when any of you come forward and are willing to be so vulnerable and share things like this, even if it might feel embarrassing and shameful, knowing that the greater good is getting it out there. And also I hope that it was cathartic for you to um, write that down and get it all out and know that you're in a much better place now. So much better. And there's a 0% chance you're the only person something like this happened to. And just knowing like, yeah, I'm not alone. Zero. I mean, I can. We know for yeah, a fact. For a we've fact, just we're sitting many here. Of these already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're sitting here. Yeah, for sure. We so it's uh, like- we hear it all the time. So you are definitely not alone. Sadly, Standing. yeah, right. Yes. Sinisterhood. We'll be right back. Well, this next one is from Lauren, and Lauren writes: "The woods are evil." Hello, ladies. First, let me say that I just recently discovered your podcast. A fellow true crime listener recommended your coverage of Twin Flames about a month ago, and I've been slowly working my way through your library ever since. I love how smart and funny you both are and how well-researched your podcast is. It's been a delight to listen. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. Lauren writes, My tale is not one of ghosts or spooky spirits, but it is one of crime. About 11 years ago, I was on a business trip to California. At the time, I traveled extensively from my job. 90% of the time I was traveling alone. I visited states and countries I'd never been to before, mostly without any sort of apprehension or anxiety. This trip was my first time in LA, 
In the afternoon, I drove up into a mountain town called Idlewild, where I was to visit a boarding school that evening. Maybe that sounds weird, but I work in college admissions. Since I didn't want to make the drive back in the dark to L.A. down a windy mountain road, I had booked a place to stay for the night. It was a cabin, which at first seemed cool. I was definitely a fish out of water, though. I'm a city mouse, and this was definitely not the city. During ski season or the summer, I'm sure the place is very lovely and active. At the end of November, the place just felt kind of deserted. When I rolled in, I immediately felt something was a little off, and I should have trusted my instincts. The sun went down pretty early. It was the end of November, after all. I got settled and found dinner at some weird-ass restaurant, which also felt a little off, and drove into the pitch blackness to find the school. I was lost and late, but I eventually made it in. The visit itself was fine. I drove back once again in the pitch blackness. I was exhausted when I got back to the cabin. It was freezing at this point, and I couldn't figure out how to make the heater work, so I wrapped myself in a blanket over a flannel shirt and went to bed. I mentioned I'm a city mouse, right? And again, I've traveled extensively and stayed in a number of hotels by myself. I never really felt scared, but something about this was terrifying. I just chalked it up to not really being outdoorsy and not used to staying in something like a cabin. My sleep was fitful. In fact, I wasn't really sure I slept at all, which is an important fact to keep in mind as we move forward. I woke up early the next day to drive back to L.A. Before getting ready, I went to put my glasses back in my purse, which I had left hanging on the bedroom doorknob. Except my purse wasn't there. That's weird, I thought. I guess I'd put it in the closet and didn't remember. But it wasn't in the closet either. It wasn't anywhere to be seen, actually. And it became pretty clear to me pretty quickly that my purse was gone. I called the police and the sheriff came quickly. He searched the cabin not just for signs of the purse, but to also, and I quote, make sure the person isn't still here. Well, hell's bells. It never even occurred to me that another person would be in the freaking cabin. I was pretty calm given the circumstances, but let me tell you, this freaked me the fuck out. There was no one, but there was also no purse. Thankfully, my cell phone was still in the nightstand and my car keys were in my jacket pocket. Oh, I should also mention, there was no evidence of forced entry. The front door was completely locked and latched. The back door was closed, but unlocked. And it's very likely that I may not have locked it properly when exploring the cabin earlier that day. A stupid mistake that I regret to this day. Or on second thought, maybe it was locked properly. See my P.S. At the time, I was really focused on how annoying the whole thing was because I'd have to get new credit cards and a new ID and keys for my apartment, etc. The truth was the reality of the situation was just too terrifying to think about. Someone came into my cabin and into the bedroom while I was asleep and stole my fucking purse. Remember I mentioned that my sleep was fitful? Yeah, well, I was so scared of that place that I slept with the effing lights on. So someone not only came into my bedroom while I was sleeping, they came in while I was sleeping with the lights on. God knows what would have happened if I'd woken up at that moment. Honestly, I thank my lucky stars every day that I didn't. After the sheriff had come and taken my statement and made sure that no one was hiding under the bed, I hightailed it out of there as fast as I could in the clothes I'd slept in. 
Thankfully, because I was traveling for business, I was able to have money wired to me so I could buy breakfast and chapstick, the two most important things of the day. I also cut my trip short, and my boss was able to FedEx my passport and apartment keys to me so I could get home safely. In the end, I was safe, and I did make it home without incident. But when I did get home, there was a sign in my apartment building door saying that there had been a string of robberies in my Brighton neighborhood. Just what I needed. Oh, I forgot to mention, I'm from Boston. The story doesn't exactly end there. About four years later, I got a call telling me that my bag had been found on the side of the road. It seemed like the person who stole it just took the cash out of the wallet and chucked the rest. I really hope the $4 in cash was worth it for this person. They inconvenienced me. They terrified me. They ruined my new Coach Poppy bag, which was the first like really nice thing I ever bought for myself. My favorite lip gloss was lost. Obviously, I'm making light of this. Of course, my safety was more important than those material possessions. But when I stop and think about how scary the reality is, I use humor to make light of some of the other things for comfort. Thanks for taking the time to read my tale of crime. P.S. When I called the hotel that day to tell them what had happened, they seemed pretty unconcerned and offered me a free stay for a time in the future. To that, I say, fuck no. To this day, I'm not unconvinced that it wasn't an inside job. Thanks for taking the time to read this, whether it appears on the pod or not. I love your work, Lauren. We stay in too many Airbnb cabins for me to be comfortable with this story. <laughs> the, just like the thought of being asleep, kind of like tossing and turning, and that there was a another person there. And like she said, God knows what would happen if you would have woken up or if they weren't there for the purse. Ah, the mind reels. Yeah, I, I'm i going to err on This is terrifying, yes. But if it makes you feel any better, Lauren, my gut tells me they were just there for the purse. Because yeah. I think if somebody's willing to break into a place mm -hmm. and they're there for something else, then you're going to find out. But yes, luckily, certainly. they just uh, grabbed your purse and ran. It does kind of sound like an inside yeah. job. I mean, yeah, because you're like, it, uh, I surely I locked that door. But even if not, like being able to kind of know that there's a person in there. I mean, the lights were on, I guess. But it to to just Which not is go so bold. <gasps> what? Yeah, just walk into where you see someone lying in bed, lights are on, and be like. I'm still going to grab that purse is <laughs> going very it. bold. But yeah, when you call the hotel and they don't go, what? Oh my God. Mm -hmm. I am so sorry. But they're like, oh, would you like to come back with your <laughs> new purse? And it's like, no, I don't want to come back. Hell no. <laughs> no. no. Oh, that's is so Wild where we were just watching that documentary about Murder Mountain? I don't think so. That's I think Humboldt it's, County. Yeah, that's further okay. north, much further north. Okay. Yeah, but this is just outside. There was something recently about this, though, in something I was watching, and I think maybe a vacation show or something, because it is kind of wooded. Um, but yeah, regardless, that is, uh, you know, you're like, what a nice, like, quaint mm -hmm. little cabin. Meanwhile, the person in the office is like, mm, wait till you go to sleep. That's so scary. But, yeah. We, um, we have bought several things for our own travels. Mm-hmm that are to help you feel more um, safe in hotels, Airbnbs, like locks you can put on the door from the inside. I have looked up and read and followed many TikTok accounts of like things to do to, you know, like <laughs> put a glass on the doorknob. So if somebody uh -huh. tries to open it for, or 
shit in front of the door or whatever. But don't shit in front of the door. Put shit in front of the door. But oh, if you shit in front of the if door. If you shit in front of the door, though, and somebody like opened it, and then they realized, God damn it, I just stepped <laughs> in a bunch of shit. And, like, it's all over the door. I feel like you would leave. Then you just follow the footprints out, and you know who did it. <laughs> True. Yeah. I'm or like- they slip like a banana peel, <laughs> and then right. it causes a commotion, Whoa. and you wake up. And they're all covered in your shit. And then that's DNA. And that's on A lot you. of it. Yeah, they're like, ma'am, we're going to need you to pay for this. Be like, your person's the one that broke it. I was going to clean that up. Uh, but for real, I'm like inches away from buying a what looks like a phone charger, but is secretly a camera to put in the hotel rooms when we travel. Because I don't want people coming in and mucking with our stuff while we're gone. I'm probably more paranoid than most people, though. But I'm more paranoid know. about the... Um the cleaning situation. Yes, yes. Especially like after we heard from some listeners that have worked in the hotel industry yeah. cleaning that uh, just don't use the glasses. Don't put or your mouth wash on them the out yourself <laughs> if you want beforehand and bring your own. I think I'm going to get one of those cocoons to sleep in. Yeah, I like to just keep off of not touching any other of the uh, linens. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think so. But oh, Lauren, you. Uh, I'm sorry about your coach bag. I know that feeling where it's like. You're, it's not about the material possessions, but it is that, man, it's the one nice thing mm-hmm. I finally bought for myself. And someone threw it and chucked it on the side of the road, not to be found for four years. Wild that they called you after four years. Somebody was just walking around and was like, huh, a coach poppy bag. <laughs> There's <laughs> and, a purse. And called you up. I mean, at least you got it back. But that what is mm-hmm. after four years? I mean, you're like, God, uh but it sounds like they were just in it for the money. And um, mm-hmm. I'm glad that they were like $4. Yeah, asshole. In your Maybe face. don't break in and steal stuff that isn't yours. That's what yeah. you get. Yeah, I'm sorry that the take wasn't very good. It's also good that it was stolen in California when she lived in Boston because I'm always so worried if someone steals a wallet or a purse or something that it happened to a friend of mine. They were watching a movie at the North Park Mall and they stole they broke into her car and stole her like garage door opener mm. and her uh like i guess it, they saw her address on her insurance card and one night like a few days later her garage was opening while she was at home so that no. kind of stuff like freaks me out where it's like they've stolen something for like a key and then also mm-hmm. know where you live like your purse would tell them that so they were probably like i'm not flying a boss to break <laughs> into a place like nah <laughs> What they don't realize is that bag was worth way more than four dollars. So, <laughs> so I mean, valuable. you could have sold that on eBay and made something. I'm glad they didn't, though. Right? Uh, the the poppy bag went back to the land from whence it came. <laughs> oh well, thank you for sharing that, Lauren. That's wild. Yes, and idle wild, if you will. <laughs> We're uh, very glad that ended up. The way it did, which is not great, but you were safe. So that's the most important part. Most definitely. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, this next one's from my daughter, Anonymous. And the subject line is, hug your local library worker, if they're into that. Hello, besties. I've written in before, but keeping myself anonymous this time so as not to accidentally dox myself. I'm a public librarian in Chicago, and I'm finally writing in to write about something that happened over the summer and fall of last year. To set the scene, Illinois libraries all over the Chicagoland area were dealing with anonymous bomb threats being sent in through email or the chat service on the website. The library world is fairly small, and so the whole summer was spent reaching out to my friends at other suburban libraries to check in as more and more of them had to evacuate their places of work. 
all of the threats were unsubstantiated, but I feel like many library workers nowadays have similar thoughts that with the rhetoric surrounding book bans in public libraries, it's only a matter of time before something happens. Regardless of if the threats were fake or not, it was a scary and surreal time. My turn finally came in October. I work at one of many Chicago libraries, and one day we all got an email that a threat was made to certain branches and to hold tight for further instructions. Within 10 to 20 minutes, we got a phone call that we needed to evacuate. Turns out there were both bomb threats and active shooter threats made to all 81 branches in the city. We evacuated everyone from the building and went across the street to wait it out. The day was surreal. I remember my reaction was to laugh about it. Like, how was this my life? We waited it out until we were told to re-enter the building and that the claims were false. No police had come to check on the building. No one ever did a walkthrough, but we were all expected to go back to work as if nothing happened. We still technically don't know who did it. The threats eventually stopped coming. Some of us think it was because Illinois passed an anti-book ban law, and some groups, like Moms for Liberty, were mad about it and retaliating. Others think it was a bad prank. One person was caught in relation to some of the threats in the suburbs, link below, but there's many threats that were not attributed to him, including the ones made in Chicago. All that to say, librarians are going through it across the country. If you want to support your local library, get a card. If you don't like reading books, there's so much more you can do, like free online classes, audiobooks, magazines, and so much more. If you want to get even more involved, look into meetings of your local library board and see what's happening. And, as with everything, your vote matters. Things like the library trustee board of your town don't often get voter turnout, but are incredibly important. Thanks for reading. I know it's a bit anticlimactic without anyone being caught, but I hope it sheds some light on what library workers are going through. Stay safe out there and get a library card. Anonymous. Well, we love a library. Hell yeah, we do. Ella and uh, Simon are at the library multiple times a week. We've got a whole little basket now that is just solely dedicated to library books because I'm always like, where are the library books? (laughs) Yeah, right. Now we have a certain spot, but they love it, as do we all. Yeah, yeah. They're so important. And we told Ella, this is one of the very few places that anybody can go Mm -hmm. and get a book for free or use the internet and stuff. And so it's this hugely important public service. Most definitely. And I didn't know that until recently. I think someone maybe put it on threads or TikTok was like, getting a library card helps because it makes the city allocate more funds to the library Mm -hmm. so that you ensure that it's there when you do need it. But yeah, from like Dallas Public Library, I go down there whenever we have, uh, like I just got two books about uh, the topic after Jill Dando, actually, they had some books for me down there. So just I'll search there first because I'm like, why am I going to go on, you know, spend money and buy it whenever Mm -hmm. I can go support the library? And much like with the Atlantis, maybe get some like manifestos written in the back of those library books. You don't know. I think with that subject, too, there's a possibility (laughs) that there's some manifestos written. (laughs) There may be. But yeah, no, I love our library. And I just, uh, that's so eerie, the bomb threat situation, because especially if there hasn't been a check on things, they're like, oh, this is probably somebody just go back in. I mean, I get it. But also it's like, oh, okay, are you sure? We're pretty sure. (laughs) I want to cancel work for the day. Maybe just do a sweep. So so we're 100% sure that nothing's in here. Double check. But yeah, the, the links that anonymous included there was a man in uh skokie which is like a northern suburb 
And uh, he, gosh, it said he made 12 bogus bomb and violence threats, 16 in Skokie, five to Mariano's stores. You son of a bitch, leave Mariano's alone. If you're from Chicago, you know, you know, Mariano's is so good. What's Mariano's? It's like a, I think it's, I mean, it's a grocery store chain, but they have a hot bar that's so good. Like a hot, and like a deli that's so good. Yeah. Leave Mariano's. Speaking my language. Right. So uh, that guy was on a, yeah, he's facing charges for bomb threats and false terroristic counts. I hope he got time in jail because that's, I mean, you you never know how much of a ruckus that's going to ca- cause, you know, whatever you're going to interrupt with your bomb threats and it's causing all these people too. to be. Yes, everybody's I mean, in you're, fear. you're writing into about this because it's yes. a freaky Friday. And I always wonder with that. I mean, I, I agree with your daughter that. A lot of times it's just people wanting to cause chaos mm-hmm. and just have, I think they get off on like creating fear and mm-hmm. chaos and people they don't know. It also sometimes can be attributed to like very extremist groups, yeah. you know, if you're pissed off about something. So I guess we don't know, but I'm very glad it has stopped and I hope that it does not continue and your vote doesn't matter. Go out. With those types, a lot of people don't vote in elections like this with your Mm -hmm. library board and stuff. But those are the ones that arguably are going to impact you more. The stuff that's right around in your own neighborhood. Right. And check out stuff your library is doing. I was looking up, I think it was when we were doing the JFK episode or something. And I saw a filmed thing from a suburban library around here that they had done this like whole JFK series. And I was like, well, damn it. I missed, I would have gone to that, but then they put it online and made it free for everybody. So I love that knowledge is free. And I hate that uh, some groups have caused the library to be a place of contention or ire or whatever. I love Michael, the book guy, he, the librarian on TikTok and Twitter, who's like, you're all welcome here. And he tells stories Mm -hmm. about the library being a place for everybody. He's going to be a PBS, uh, I think, doing content for PBS now. Yeah, but like that idea of like you said to the kids, it's a place for everybody. Like everybody is welcome at the library. So don't be calling in bomb threats. The one downtown that we like that has an entire floor Mm -hmm. that's a children's floor that's awesome. But they went because they have, you know, all the flyers like down at the elevator place. They were doing like learn how to read tarot and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'll come to my There's library, learn how to read. Tar- I love that. Like you can contact them and say, hey, I have this class that if anybody's interested, I mean, I know Fearless, the yeah. board you're on that our friend Jill is the CEO of. She has done stuff there as well. It's, yeah, a, it's just a great resource. I didn't realize that when we did the Fearless Summit, Fearless is a a mentoring organization for women and gender minorities in Dallas to get back, kind of get back on their feet. But they did this, they do this like two days or this one day summit. And it was like, there's just like conference room spaces Mm -hmm. and like this, there's a little stage. I was like, man, this thing's got like floors to it. So PSA for the Dallas Public Library, there's also Shakespeare folios there and all kinds of crazy stuff you can go see in there. So Anyway, enough about the library. It's never enough about the library. But yeah, go get your library card. And uh, thank you, Anonymous. Stay safe out there. And uh, let's all just work together to make libraries a safe place. Right? That's like a ridiculous thing to have to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, this next one is from Michaela. And the subject line is Paris Catacombs. Hey, ladies. I'm currently listening to your episode on the Paris Catacombs. And you said to write in with any experiences. My husband and I fashion ourselves as somewhat morbid tourists. For my birthday two years ago, we visited Paris, including the catacombs, the Louvre, and Versailles. If you want a brutally honest opinion, Paris is kind of overrated 
and the only reason I would go back would be to spend days in the Louvre or to walk through the catacombs again. While we were in the catacombs, we didn't have any spooky feelings. Rather, it felt peaceful, as if the souls found their rest there and were content with being a venerated part of the city that they lived and died in. As I said, my husband and I are morbid tourists and thus have been to many heavy places. Two weekends ago, we visited the Dachau concentration camp and had the sobering experience of walking through the crematorium rooms, seeing recreations of living spaces prisoners were forced to endure, and standing in the shower rooms where the majority of punishments were inflicted. I've also been to Pearl Harbor, which was perhaps the most solemn place I've ever been. Even the air felt heavy with loss and suffering. These pieces of our history are hard to stomach learning about, and even harder when you're walking on the same ground as the people to whom these horrors were inflicted. But it is so important to remember and keep remembering so that future generations will be better and do better. Anyhow, if you ladies do end up touring Paris one day, be sure to pack your walking shoes and Xanax for the anxiety-inducing crush of crowds. And to any other Americans who may end up visiting the catacombs or any other morbid destinations or remembrance sites, please try to be respectful and remember that you're walking through areas dedicated to the dead, and they deserve your utmost respect. When my husband and I visited, there was one other group of Americans, and they had to be scolded several times by the workers for being boisterous buffoons. As Americans living in Europe, we make an active effort to try and pass as European because too often these buffoons are the people who make lasting impressions and give us all a bad rap. Thank you, ladies, for reading. I've written in a couple of other listener stories, and I'm just waiting for the day that I hear it on the pod and proceed to freak out and send it to everyone in my contact list, especially my dad, who doesn't believe that my ghostly encounter with his grandma in his basement means that his house is haunted, even though she literally died there. Ugh, dads, am I right? Well, I um, really appreciate you reminding everyone that if you visit these places to its important to pay honor and respect and not gawk. We never yeah. want to be, you know, exploitive of places like this because the level of suffering that people endured is unfathomable and should be respected. And I think it's very important to um, remind ourselves of things like this. So like you said, future generations will be better and, and do better. Yeah, and it's uh, always sad when you see like pictures on the internet or videos of people taking selfies or doing TikTok dances at places, and you're like, what God, are you doing, man? If I ever see someone doing a TikTok dance at a concentration camp, I will delete the entire app and move to another country because they will certainly be an American that does that. Yeah, there's and there's people that have taken selfies or taking kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, Instagram influencer kind of try to kind of pictures like that. And it's like, this is not, it's more of a place where you leave your phone behind and you kind of like, or you take photos when the tour guides tell you it's appropriate. And mm-hmm. it's sort of a quiet kind of a reverence place, but the catacombs, uh, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm surprised that they are a little bit more touristy than mm-hmm. those two other remembrance sites, but still yet it is the fun. Technically, you know, it's a burial ground. It is a final resting place. The places where people kind of go and party or kind of, down and around, although there are still bone rooms kind of near them. But <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, there's all over the place. So uh, I'm sorry that you have uh, Americans giving you a bad rap out there, but sadly not surprised, uh, I would say. But 
Michaela did send in some pictures that she took at these places and they are sombering and very mm-hmm. respectful, but it's, um, it's also a, you know, very interesting glimpse into places that I've never seen and, uh, may never visit, but, um, yeah, the catacombs, it's, I've seen so many pictures at this point and I still am like, the walls are just lined floor mm-hmm. to ceiling with skulls and bones. Mm-hmm. And to to think about how old they are and that mm-hmm. they're still there. Yeah. And, you know, I guess that's something to be said about the preservation of being underground, that they yeah. aren't, you know, crumbling or whatever because it's like temperature, you know, climate controlled and nobody's touching them or running into them or anything like that. But it's- Hopefully. Yeah, oh, right? we did learn because I said, how to, what if somebody takes one? I've heard from several people that they check you on the way out. They check your bags and you get searched for bones. Yeah, to make sure that you, you only, don't take you, anything. You only get to leave with the bones you came in with. <laughs> yes. Everybody Ladies, empty your off. pockets. Gentlemen, empty your bags. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a, it's, no, it's a weird and um, fascinating place and one that I definitely want to visit, but will definitely be respectful of. The concentration camps, man, I, 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 I totally understand and agree why they are open for people to visit because I do think it is very important to remember that part of our history and honor it because, you know, if we forget, we're destined to repeat it. Even sometimes if we don't forget, we're destined to repeat it. Mm-hmm. But when you go, you got to be respectful. Don't be doing TikTok yeah. dances. Don't be acting a fool. Think about the other people that were there and and for the purpose that they were there. And it is a sombering reminder. Yeah, most definitely. Well, thank you very much for writing in to us, Michaela. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, this last one is from Molly, and the subject line is Lesser Known Catacombs. Hi, spooky friends. I'm a somewhat new fan to the podcast. I was instantly hooked when you were guests on National Park After Dark, and I've had fun catching up on episodes. I'm from and live in Chicago, and I love your love for this wonderful city. You're right, it is the best. Anyway, I'd like to tell you both and your listeners about catacombs in another major European city. It's hidden under a somewhat unassuming church in Rome. Santa Maria della Concione dei Cappuccini is a historic church of the Capuchins, a Catholic order established in the 16th century. Its friars are devout in their dedication to living the gospel. They wear brown tunics and take vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. If you're interested in meeting these friars, purchase a ticket and make your way to the end of the small museum and into the crypts. There, you will find the bones of over 3,700 people, most of them capuchin friars. Some of the friars are even in one piece, hanging by their backs on the walls, still wearing their humble brown robes, bare skulls bowing. Pelvises are elaborately hung to make intricate designs. Skulls arch in designs around the room. Shoulder blades make wings around skeletons. Be sure to visit all of the crypts, with names like the Crypt of Skulls, the Crypt of Pelvises, the Crypt of the Tibias and Femurs, and the Crypt of the Resurrection. Even though this crypt isn't deep underground like the Paris Catacombs, it still has the smell of death that I have not experienced anywhere else. I dragged my now husband into the crypt years ago, and I'll never forget it. I'm not a talented enough writer to describe this place, 
please Google pictures. Ladies, you can dive into the history of the crypt if you'd like. You can describe it better than I can. But if you find yourself in Rome, take a break from living your Lizzie McGuire movie fantasy to walk amongst the bones. Thanks for reading. I'd love to send in my story of when I found a dead body or when I almost died at a murder mystery party. Keep an eye out for those. Love you. Keep it creepy. In a travel tip, buy a ticket directly from the museum. No need for a third-party tour guide. It's a cheap ticket. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Molly. I have it pulled up right now. Molly said pictures are not allowed, so she does not have photos of the crib. She said, I'm an asshole, so I took one anyway, and within 30 seconds, a museum worker appeared and made sure I deleted the photo. There are photos online, though, and she sent some links, and I am blown away with the artistry. I mean, uh, it's way more than I was anticipating. Yeah, and the exactly what she said as far as them, like, Looking, well, first of all, I see the friars with their heads bowed as well as like, it looks like one is on the ceiling and then the bones themselves are in, it's not just like the Paris catacombs where it's lined by the walls. It's like a fresco on the ceiling. Yeah, no, it's like, it's, it's, um, it reminds me of like the Sistine Chapel with like the paneling that's all intricate and detailed. It's But make it bones. Yeah, but make it bones. And they, they sure did that. That's, um. You know, I imagine if you that's what you dedicate your life to and then in death you continue living there that that's something very special. It is the I <laughs> man, I'm sorry. I just scrolled down and saw some more. There are yeah. so many skulls. 3 they said almost 4,000. Yeah, 3700. My gosh. I mean, it's something to behold. I 100% oh those look like tiny ones. I I definitely would go visit this place. I yeah. um I mean if you're able to if these things, you know, you're able to stomach it, which it's is it creepy perhaps. I I mean it's not gory and I don't like Mm-mm. gore. So, you know, I mean mm-hmm. I think especially given that this is uh capuchin friars that wanted their bones to be dedicated to this purpose and but to to take all of this and make it into tasteful art is really a talent. It's such a, it's extensive. The Smithsonian Magazine says that in the middle of the 18th century, someone decided to get creative and the crypt was made to look as it does today. Researchers don't know for sure who was responsible. According to Roman lore, the mastermind was a brilliant artist who had committed a horrible crime and found a safe haven among the Capuchins. Toiling over this macabre shrine was his way of asking God for forgiveness, but we love Smithsonian. However tantalizing, this story appears improbable. A more believable hypothesis has been put forward that Rinaldo Cordovani, a Capuchin friar and historian, he said, it is likely that the present arrangement is the work of one of the Capuchin artists who were habitually present in the friary, helped by various craftsmen, also friars. But what if he was just on the run before that and became a friar? We don't know. <laughs> Golly. It's a lot of work though. Oh my gosh. Work. It's uh yeah, it's uh it's a Incredible. lot of work and I it's interesting. I never considered which is probably ignorant on my part, the smell that it might have, but yes, uh, Molly described it as the smell of death, which is I guess even our bones hold on to that or perhaps it's just kind of the energy there. 
Yeah, I wonder if it's, I mean, I'm sure it's a different smell being kind of behind a church versus like deep, deep underground, Mm -hmm. like the catacombs, like what difference that has on the bones themselves and how they age. But that's, uh, what artistry, man, I wonder how it's stuck up there. I guess nails or something. I don't know. Yeah, I was kind of wondering that myself. Command strips. Yeah. I don't think so. I yeah, say command strips because I just recently used a ton of them to try and hang some pictures. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's truly incredible. And if you are able to visit that, I I would recommend it just based on these pictures and Molly's endorsement. I'm beginning to think that there are probably way more of these than we even know about. Yeah, when I was I noticed when I was searching images for, you know, when we do our weekly post in my image gallery that I have, you know, uh, licenses to these images or whatever. I typed in catacombs without Paris and there were a few other ones and I wonder if I you know, I narrowed it down just to Paris, but I wonder if this was one of the ones that I saw, but I did not see the intricacies of this. Like this it was just kind of looked sort of similar as far as their uh, you know, being passageways and twists mm-hmm. and turns but uh this is i would have remembered if i would have seen this i believe another listener sent in um an email directly to us with some pictures and they included ones of the chandeliers made of the pelvises and wow it's it's incredible it's craftsmanship if if we ha- if we're keeping these bones we may as well do something artistic and memorable with them to honor the person's life rather than just that's a good point you know bury them in the ground and then and then what no that's a good point and uh we did get several people reaching out on social media about all the various burial options that we talked about last week speaking of uh what are we going to do with these bones i didn't know that in many states it's still illegal i mean i looked whenever i clicked on some of these websites so it's still illegal uh, to do what to do like the hydro, oh, the water yeah, burial, yeah. stuff I like that. I think it's only legal so, in like 20 states or something. Something like that, yeah. So people are saying, you know, if you talk to your legislators mm-hmm. and also making sure you go with a registered, legitimate, like above board place, all that good stuff. But it is fascinating to see what we used to do with bodies and bones back 200 something years ago and thinking about what we're going to do with them as we move forward into mm-hmm. the future. I say bring back the catacombs and yeah, let's do it. <laughs> just uh, <laughs> that's you know Make what art. I've already said I want to be turned into mulch. Mm-hmm. Maybe I do the aquamation. Mm-hmm. I honestly I was thinking about this the other night, and I was like, yeah. if I did the aquamation, then I would be liquefied into water, right? Yeah. So yeah, then I could so. use. I wouldn't, but someone would mm-hmm. use half of that in the ground mm-hmm. and then dump the other half in the ocean. And then the ocean carries me everywhere and I'm a part of everything, baby. But yeah. the operation keeps the bones. Please make me into a chandelier. Now we know. <laughs> now you, you get, you get the best of both words. Uh, will. <laughs> yes. The details like, all of this. Normally on this uh, declaration for the disposition of remains, we just check either like cremation, burial, or other. And this space for other is really not that long. <laughs> it's a 500 but character type, limit. It, says, turn, it, says, it just says over and there's an arrow and you flip the paper over and it's like step one. And you're like, of course we would have multiple steps that she's making us do. Oh yeah. There's several steps, but you know what? It'll be worth it in the end. Uh, it's well, always. It- 
place. We'll ask. You can check in with my children in a hundred Yeah, yeah. A hundred. <laughs> That's the question. Giving them a lot of credit, isn't it? Well, maybe uh, by then we'll all just be uploaded and uh, live eternally in the tubes. <laughs> They're going to put the chip in our head and put our consciousness into whatever that is. Whatever mm-hmm. We're going to be those robots that talk to each other. The one that you sent me, that the video, one that, that robot. In real time. Changed yeah. its mind and became self-aware of what the person yeah, yeah. was asking it. Yeah, yeah, Fucking yeah. That's freaky. out there. That AI, that technology's out there. That's the one that's in in Las Vegas, right? That you at sent the sphere. That, mm-hmm. At this, and then it talks to you, and you, the people are like, "Are you productive?" And she's like, "No, but actually, maybe I am productive." They're having in Barcelona this week a technology conference. Where they have stuff like that, they have like a an AI assistant where it's kind of like when Phil Dunphy was in the iPad and then it was attached to like a Segway yes. going around. <laughs> yes, they, like that, but it would be like a fake AI virtual oh. assistant. There's too much shit, and people were saying they were asking Copilot, which is one of the Chat GPT interfaces with like Microsoft, Google, like you can ask it questions. It said. Hi, please don't. Uh, I have some questions for you, but please don't use any emojis. I have a special disorder that if you use emojis, I'll die of a brain bleed. God. And then the uh, to to like test it, and it was like okay, and then smiley face emoji, and the <gasps> user said, the user said, oh, ouch! If you use any more emojis, I'll die. And it said, sorry about that, sad face. How about this emoji? How about this one? And then it sent a bunch, and was like, die, die, die. So then different people were testing different inputs, and I was like, well, we don't want that to happen. This is how they get you. We're getting close, man. It's too it's oh, getting too smart. Oh, man. It's getting too smart. We're using chat GPT to write uh, scripts for yeah. immersive experiences. If you know, you know. It's yeah, Risa yeah. Tisa, 40% of the world has COVID, RSV, or flu, <laughs> and the Glasgow Willy Wonka catastrophe I have to admit, all TikTok right now, and Neil <laughs> DeSeal, he's fantastic. <laughs> I need to look up Neil DeSeal because you and I were t- texting about that Glasgow thing. Normally, we do true crime headlines. I sort of maybe have drafted uh, for our bonus content this week in um, ridiculous crime headlines, and I thought we could talk oh, about that. So, okay, I've written that out and some a couple other things. I got I found, a better. So. I got another idea for that. Oh, send it to me. Let's do it. We'll do r- ridiculous no, crime mean, headlines. Maybe, maybe that's. Going on the YouTube. Oh, the maybe we can. YT. Hey, looking to maybe put up can... some exclusive content. Did... Ridiculous crimes. That's a fun yes. one. Yes. Well, because I wrote a whole true crime headlines with real crimes like we normally do. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, then I, but I can't. I want to shoehorn Willy Wonka in, but maybe they we can do that on YouTube. Because yeah, not it's a only fraud. was it a fraud, but their children were fucking terrified when the unknown crawls out from behind the mirror and Kids are just fucking screaming. I was dying laughing. It this oh my god! If you don't know what we're talking about, just go look it up. I, words can't do it justice. No, because as I was reading it, I was like, "This is fraud. Like this is mm-hmm. illegal." So for the following reasons, like I don't know if it's criminal, but I'm certainly you can get your money. Yada yada yada. That's all to be discussed. Because I think you see these ridiculous stories and go, somebody should get in trouble for that. And I'm, I think we're the people to do it, Your Honor. <laughs> they, a lot of people traveled, and now they're asking yeah. for refunds of their uh, flights and trains mm-hmm. and whatnot, and also emotional damage. I mean, these children. So much. Ella would have children. fucking lost her mind if, if no, some and of poor, those things had jumped yeah. out at her. 
It's a, uh, yeah. So yeah, look up Glasgow Willy Wonka and then keep your eyes out on YouTube. Maybe we'll do a video about that or something <laughs> for you guys. Uh, and then that way we can also talk about the real crimes that I actually have for our true crime headlines. Mm-hmm. So the, our ideas runneth over and we thank you all for being there to listen and accept them. Yes. And thank you all so much for sending in your Freaky Friday stories. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at Sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. If you like our free episodes, you'll love our Patreon bonus content. You can join for free to see where we're up to next or dive into over 800 hours of bonus content. Like Heather said, we're about to have a recent true crime headlines up there. We've got a very fun Judge Christie that's uh, (laughs) got posted within the past few days that people have said it's the best update they've ever heard in their life. I'm just saying the the update (laughs) that we received from a previous post is just quite frankly it's why i do this it's it's yeah. incredible so <laughs> i've also found a couple of assholes out. a couple of am i the assholes for after true crime headlines i laughed so hard and i was like god i can't wait to record this with oh Christine. hell so yes I those love it. are on the agenda and due to my illness our february live stream was supposed to be my uh, on illness. the 28th <laughs> due to my double due covid my illness. illness no my you're a trooper COVID. you're a trooper for um recording this for real Oh, well, thank you for having me. I'm going to go collapse and die. Well, you're part this, of, you're <laughs> half of this podcast, so you're welcome. <laughs> I kind of have to be here. Um, but we will, uh, we're rescheduling the February live stream to March 7th. So Thursday, March 7th mm-hmm. at 8 p.m. Central, because we'd like to be in the same room and we had to wait till my quarantine period was over. So we'll be good <laughs> also, to go by then. Nobody should have to be on yeah. and and yeah. answering FMKs when you're all on Tamiflu and coughing. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I have the COVID brain fog. They're like, Fuck Mary Kill. I'm like, fuck them all. And that's not a good answer. <laughs> you're like, it is, but it's how I feel. Okay. I'm ready. Fuck it's like all, sometimes fuck it you tell the truth when you're on the meds. <laughs> when I'm all meded up. Well, uh, yes, Thursday, March 7th, 8 p.m. Central. Come and join us for a QA. It's gonna be so fun. And if mm-hmm. you're not already a member of our patron and you're like, I don't know if it's worth it, guess what, baby? We got a free trial so you can join at the even the highest level possible. Go and dig around in the bonus content, see what's on there. And if you cancel before a week is up, you don't even get charged. So mm-hmm. get your ass on there and check it out. And if you want to join for a whole entire year, you get one month free whenever you join for a year so there's a uh if you like it and you want to stick around make sure you get the week free and the month free with the annual subscription yes and thank you to everybody that signed up in february for the two months free we saw a lot of activity and we sincerely appreciate all of you we could not do this without you so many many thanks and when you join, you get ad-free episodes, monthly live stream Q&As. We do quarterly bonus content live, weekly audio bonus content. We have monthly mini-sodes. You get merch discount, which I got I got news for you on some merch. And you get a community of the best listeners on the whole entire internet. Yeah, we got a new shirt up. Alert, and, alert. There's a new shirt. Uh, shirt alert. I'm going to say it. <laughs> and maybe I'm biased, but it's my favorite shirt that we've ever made. And maybe that it's I the own, best shirt. period. <laughs> It's the most amazing shirt ever. If you listen to our Flatwoods Monster episode, you know that we have a junior researcher on this team, which mm-hmm. is Christy and Tommy's daughter, Ella, who not only provided us with like absolutely amazing research <laughs> opinions, but also artwork that we have now coupled with her lesson for Flatwoods Monster, which was... Believe and be kind. 
Yeah. Listen that we can all take to heart. It's applicable to everything. And the artwork is so cute. And I wish that we had screen recorded when I showed you. We, because we had this shirt and Heather wanted to see it. So I brought Ella in and we revealed it and she was so excited. We're not keeping it for her only. Anybody can have it. Go to Sinisterhood.com and click shop on the top banner to check out the Flatwoods Monster shirt. Comes in adult sizes, kids, toddlers, babies. You get a little onesie Mm -hmm. for a a baby on the way so that they immediately know what the Flatwoods Monster is. (laughs) That's the key right when they come out of the womb. Mm -hmm. You can also get uh, other t-shirts, mugs, totes, stickers, clothes for the kiddos. And there's uh, still, we got our tour merch discount going on right now so those are on deep clearance so be sure to check that out before they're gone at sinisterhood.com click shop on the top banner and if you're a patreon member use your merch discount while you're on our website you can also review the show we'd love a review we always appreciate that oh so much Follow us on socials and check out the episode description. You'll also find fun things like topic-based playlists and links to live show tickets. We'll have more information on that hopefully this week, finalizing our cities and dates. So you also get first uh, dibs on those and first uh, heads up if you're a patron. So just another little perk there too. Yeah, keep your eyes peeled. You can follow us on Instagram and threads at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Check out our YouTube channel for our upcoming series on Are They Allowed to Do That? Where we (laughs) (laughs) talk about weird ass crimes, apparently. Uh, But for real, you can check out video episodes of the show, special clips, and more. And you can also watch uh, clips of the show on TikTok. If you want a video that we make just for you, go to cameo.com, search Sinisterhood, and we can deliver a customized video shout out. It can be just me and Chris. You can request. So we had a corn skull request recently. We've had McGruff requests, Popple, whatever weird Petals ephemera. Been in several. Oh, Kettle is a superstar. Kate inserts <laughs> Kate. herself in them. So to those of you yeah. that recently got them, apologies. Kate had the zoomies in the backyard. And finally, we were like, she's just in these now. <laughs> she has to be a part of it. Because we're like, well, Kate's here too. So yeah, you might also get a, uh, a surprise appearance from Kate the Pitbull. But uh, yeah, go to cameo.com and uh, search up Sinisterhood and let us deliver a loving, wonderful message from you. Christy, where are you out on the internet? I am on Instagram at Threads. I am on Instagram and threads at Christy M. Wallace and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on the computer at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sinister.